0: The 8ABD program has been a substantial tool for enabling multifaceted growth opportunities for many small businesses for more than a decade. However, the recent U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of Tennessee ruling has created concern and uncertainty regarding the future value of the program, designed to create equity and inclusiveness for disadvantaged groups in the United States, now under fire for that very reason. Timing is everything. But how do you plan and pivot with so many variables that are completely out of your control and can happen at any time? Welcome to Unveiled, GovCon Stories, where we explore the experiences and share the stories of small businesses and government contracting to spotlight the often sugar-coated or avoided discussions that speak to the reality of doing business within the US public sector as a small business. On this episode, we are joined by Larry G. Webb, District Director for the Washington Metropolitan Area District Office, Motto of the U.S. Small Business Administration. He leads a team that supports small businesses throughout the District of Columbia, Northern Virginia, and suburban Maryland. Larry Webb joined the SBA as a senior legal counsel in 2011. His most recent position was lead attorney for the SBA's outreach and marketing team, during which he oversaw public-private partnerships, gifts to the agency, memoranda of understanding, branding, social media, and marketing. Prior to joining the SBA, Mr. Webb served as the Assistant Director of Law for the City of Cleveland, Ohio. Prior to joining the SBA, Mr. Webb served as the Assistant Director of Law for the City of Cleveland in Ohio. During his tenure, he helped the Office of Equal Opportunity to streamline and bolster its enforcement procedures. His earlier roles include being a criminal defense attorney, business analyst, and executive director of a nonprofit organization, Larry holds a Juris Doctorate from Case Western Reserve University School of Law and a Bachelor's of Arts degree in History and Political Science from Culver Stockton College in Canton, Missouri. He and his husband currently reside in Prince George County, Maryland. Fun fact, Larry started a nonprofit for LGBTQ youth and adults in Ohio during the 90s to provide safe spaces and programs for the community. Larry, thank you so much for being brave, pulling back the curtain and sharing your GovCon story with us. So what's your story?
1: Oh, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I think that this program is wonderful, this podcast that you guys have put together to once again unveil, um, to pull back the veil and to share stories and help people understand that this process is not just, it's not always intuitive, it's not always easy, but it is, um, it is possible and it is fruitful. And so the story I would like to share with you today is a story that I learned very early in my tenure. Um, as district director, you know I, I go around and talk to lots of small businesses, and one of the stories that I heard early on was from one of our small business National Small Business Week award winners, and it is about how and when he decided to join the 8A program. And for your listeners, our 8A program, particularly in the Wamato office, is uh, we have the largest 8A portfolio in the nation because we sit. Strategically in the nation's capital, where all of the headquarters of all of the federal agencies typically are, and what he shared with me that I thought was so important is, he didn't decide to jump into the 8A program um, as soon as he was able, as soon as um, as soon as two years came about, or as soon as he thought I'm going out on my own, he made sure that he had clientele. He he worked for other companies. He made sure that people recognized his expertise. He made sure that when he made that leap, people were ready to hire him. So that that nine-year process um, of the 8 A program, he didn't waste the first two years trying to figure it out. He didn't waste the first three years trying to figure out where, how to figure out which agencies um, hired, uh, bought the services that his business was selling. And so I, I like to think that he not only streamlined the process, but he supercharged the process by learning how the, how the 8A program works, and, and making sure he was positioned to take advantage of it when, when the time came for him to join.
2: That's a great story, and not one, honestly, we, we hear often. So thanks again to you for joining uh, and Absolutely. sharing your story. So let's start for some of our listeners who aren't familiar, or maybe have heard of the 8A program, but don't know a lot about it. Um, just a few quick points, because there's a lot to learn about 8A, but for the purpose of the podcast, I want to kind of set a foundation so that 8A Absolutely. certification um, is a path to, to new business growth. So think of it as we often talk about on our podcast strategies for how to develop business, how to grow your business, how to access resources. So 8A is one of those things in the list that we encourage our listeners to be kind of aware of. The program specifically, diversifies Small Businesses, revenue streams with federal contracting dollars. Once you're certified as an 8 participant, you have access to new business paths and create jobs through increased revenue from government contracting for work that is specifically set aside for 8 participants. The Small Business Administration, by developing this program, um, has set up basically a nine-year window to help create business and streams for the socially and economically disadvantaged entrepreneurs in, in, a, in a more limited competitive space. So it does not remove the competition. It does not grant you work by default. You aren't just handed a golden check, but it does give you the opportunity to compete in a more limited space set aside specifically for those that qualify. Um, and it is very deliberately set for the time that it is, um, as, as Larry already mentioned, because there are some learning curves and as we all know, in the government space, you don't just magically get awarded contracts or rarely, um, and it takes time to mature those relationships. So the program is set up to help small businesses and new entrants with not just access to revenue and resources, but with the time to be able to grow and mature within the program. Um, so- I think I already kind of tied into the golden ticket, golden nugget of, of 8A. So Tasha, well, our phrase for today, golden ticket. Or not. Um, <laughs> or not? Is it a and golden that, ticket or not? Nah.
0: Yes, yeah. and the program has many qualification requirements. Uh, one to be a small business, not previously have participated in the program. You have to have a fifty-one percent ownership or control by a U.S. citizen who's socially, um, economically disadvantaged. Net worth is important as well. There's there's some requirements and stipulations to that that I'm sure we'll get into. Um, you have to have good character, potential, su- the opportunity, or de- to demonstrate potential success. With having been in business for two years, and with that, I want to transition to a question with for you, Larry. What are some of the benefits of the program, and some more of the details that I didn't get to previously?
1: Well, I, you know, th- th- thank you, uh, Yaz, for for sort of outlining the program at a very high level for your listeners, for those who may not be familiar. Uh, the one other thing that I would I, I would add to that to that list of things that you both have just mentioned is that it is a business development program. Many certification programs that exist in the universe, and I like to talk about all of them because once again, it's about business development. So yes, the 8A program exists and we have other federal programs that exist in that space, but state and local governments also have certification programs. You know, for your listeners that are in the DMV, um, DC, Maryland, Virginia, all have certification programs that have varying sort of qualifications, a lot of certification programs that exist don't have a time limit. And the reason that we have a time limit in our program is because it really is a business development program. The purpose is to help businesses get into that federal govcon space to get those contracts, to learn how to maneuver within that space, to resize their portfolio. So at the very beginning of the program, I think the first four years, Want to be correct in my head? The first four years, you can have 100% within the 8A program. Um, so all of your all of your revenue can be coming from the 8 program. Over the five through nine period, you need to diversify that so that it is less and less over the time period, so that you show that you can survive after the program, which is one of the tenants of the firm. is not that you exist for nine years receiving benefits from this, you know, the set-asides and the sole source contracts, and then you fail to exist in year 10 because you no longer have that access. And so one of the things that is really important about the program is that business development piece, that you have access to a business opportunity specialist Within within my office, quite frankly, um, my office. We once again we have nearly a thousand firms and not enough BOSs, quite frankly, to to manage that. But we do our best. But within within all of the district offices around the country, um, and they have varying varying sizes of ADA um, portfolios. They all have BOSs. Those BOSs help support that process, help support that business development, or are there to talk to the businesses about challenges that they may have, or are going to do yearly reviews to make sure that you're still eligible for the program and that you're doing the things that you need to do to succeed. That doesn't exist in all certification programs. A lot of times you're certified and that's it. You, yeah.
2: That's true. You, you're on your own.
1: Yeah, you're on your own. You mm-hmm. swim and you swim or are or, or not based on your own efforts. And so that is a a major difference. And I think one of the the key differences, the other thing that a BOS in our offices, those um, district offices around the country are able to do is make sure that those businesses are also connected with the entire SBA network, which means that we are connecting you with our VBOC if you are a veteran, the the Veterans Business um, Outreach Centers. connecting you with our women's business centers, we're connecting you with our small business development centers, we're connecting you with SCORE to get uh, a mentor. Those other SBA products are available to anyone if they're in the 8A program or not, but we make sure that our folks in the 8A program are aware of those things and that that they are able to take
0: advantage of them. And there there are benefits, uh, training benefits that's specific to 8A as well. The
1: 7J um, trainings, thank you. 7G,
0: correct, yes. Um, that is one of the benefits of the program also and helps to facilitate SBA support in helping that business mature over time.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And and businesses are not forced to do that, but it is in their best interest to do that. Right. And there are, there are some other programs out there like the Bowie Big Program, that, mm-hmm. um, which is not necessarily a part of SBA's programming. But we partner with them, we work with them, and that is an 8A sort of accelerator for new entrants into the 8A programs to to begin to learn some of those skills that Mm -hmm. I know that you talk about um, quite often on your program, you know, how to determine which agencies are buying the products that you sell so that you're not throwing a wide net and wasting a lot of time, Just, just as one example of the types of things that that program also helps small businesses with, particularly the small businesses in the 8A program.
2: We touched a couple times already on timing. So I'd like to throw something out there that is just a general statistic that like, you can find online and you correct, not me personally, but my, my data, I should say, because I'm interested because you obviously have that firsthand experience and are managing resources that are working across kind of the entire portfolio. But generally speaking, when looking online, it says you, it takes anywhere from six to 12 months for a small business to achieve their certification. This is an estimate, and the actual timelines may vary depending upon how quickly you can provide required documentation. Obviously, the workload on SBA at the time of your application. Also important to note that there are other factors in, it, in terms of like the complexity of your business and how many records or reviews it may require. But on average, I say 6 to 12 months to achieve certification Since we're talking about timing, I'd like to talk kind of about about the front end investment because we have learned from a lot of our conversations on these podcasts that some of our listeners don't really have a feel for the time horizon to achieve some of these things. So we want to uh, make a very deliberate effort to kind of talk more about timing so that businesses can plan appropriately as well. Absolutely. So does that six to 12 months sound right? Sound a little off? What have you seen?
1: I think that that is well within the ballpark sometimes it could be a little longer based on those complexities as with all things. And, and once again, we're, uh, we're pulling back the veil, government offices typically don't have enough resources to do the things that they are supposed to do. Um, and the SBA is no different. Um, as you know, in the govcon world, there are less contracting officers than there used to be. They're downsizing a lot of those offices. So you have less people doing more work. And so, I believe that's about right. And so for your listeners, you should not be planning to have an 8 day contract in three months after you sign, after you fill out the application. And a lot of times, once again, the time period is based on sometimes it's on the complexity, but sometimes it's on people not knowing how to answer questions. And this is no disrespect to anyone who's listening. They don't know how to answer the questions. And they may not be seeking resources that can help them answer the questions. One of the things that we do, once again, is advise people to go to our resource partners, like a small business development center, to help them process that application So that because they know what answers get kicked back. They know what what challenges, they know when someone hasn't provided the proper tax record. They know when someone hasn't put their financials in the proper form, and so they can once again, streamline the process for you by allowing you, and, and and I haven't said this, so I should, all of those resources I've mentioned, the WVC, the VBOX, the, the scores, they are all SBA grantees and all of those resources are free or, no, or low cost. And yeah, so we feel
0: like, we yes. like to say government funded. Yeah. Uh, yes. so, so that no, way, yeah. Is. It
1: absolutely is. You've already paid for it through your tax dollars. Exactly. Um, so, you know, sometimes when people hear free, they think, oh, it's not worth it. Or right. it is it is below standard. Mm-hmm. These people have helped so many businesses achieve their lifelong goals of of growth, of scaling, of selling their business at the end of their at the end of their journey. I, I am one, I wouldn't I don't do jobs that I don't believe in and that I can't stand behind. This is a, these are wonderful services that not enough people actually know about. And and take advantage of. So, you know, time is money, and if you're a small business owner, every second that you spend not developing um, relationships, clients, etc., is waste. Is time in, uh, that you've wasted. And so, why not go and speak with someone who knows a process and can help streamline so that you don't have to fall into that to that hole that someone else has. And so. You asked me a very simple question, I took like 10 minutes to answer it. That's perfectly
2: fine because you actually (laughs) brought up an interesting point. On a lot of our calls, I'm regularly encouraging our small business business owners to build their teams. So in a lot of these instances, I'm actually recommending if they don't have the funding to have someone full-time necessarily to, to put someone under a retainer or build a team. But I don't think often enough, we hone in on free resources that are available. Because there are 8A consultants out in, the ind- you know, there's a consultant for everything. You can pay someone <laughs> to do anything in our industry. And I mean anything. Um, but in this case, I would actually say use your free resources and avoid that additional cost as a small business because awesome. the SBA has invested so much already in providing those resources. And as an independent and as someone that is frequently doing consulting work, I'm always a proponent, but in this case, I would say actually save your money because there's some really good resources that are already made available. Yeah, um, you're absolutely right. I'm
1: sorry, I was being rude. Um, You know, you're absolutely right. You know, a lot of the small businesses that we work with do stuff that the government does. (laughs) You know, that's that's not uncommon. And once again, you know, uh, I don't need to repeat what you just said, but please take advantage of those things. At least test them out. At least give yourself an opportunity. to to once again, diversify your portfolio. Yes, you do have to build a team. And I love the fact that you talked about building a team and retainers. We just had a program earlier this, this two programs earlier this year about uh, picking a lawyer. And uh, we worked with uh, an organization called Justice Connection. You guys may be familiar with Keisha Brown and her programming. And it was really just encouraging because so many people didn't know how to even go through the process of what questions do you ask? Can I get someone a retainer? Do I need $10,000 or can I just get once every six months, just kind of go in, but at least they know my business. So if something happens, Mm -hmm. this is not the first time we've had a conversation and I don't have to start from scratch about who I am and what I want to do. And so, yeah. And
2: folks, let me highlight what Larry just said if you didn't catch it. The SBA was even providing resources on how to learn how to do retainers so that you have resources. So, I mean, explore the things that are out there. I think Tasha and I, as we say time and time again, we skip over certain things because they're intuitive to us, so we do it often. But there are resources for almost every question that you may have in this GovCon space. So do your research before you start spending money. I mean, I know I'm constantly a proponent of building your team, but your team doesn't necessarily have to be built on people you're paying for. There are free resources. And by free, again, we mean resources that have been invested by in other bodies by that you don't necessarily have to pay for, but someone will probably pay for, but nonetheless a resource yeah. available to you. you are getting
1: paid. Right. Yeah, somebody you know, somebody's you know,
2: getting paid. Yeah,
1: somebody's getting paid. They're not doing it. They're they're not doing it for free. They they <laughs> they are, you know, one of the you know, we talk about the PCs in the agency, capital contracting and counseling. I have since the beginning, and I think because I'm so I, I like education, I like learning, and maybe it is my bias. I think the most important thing that we do in the agency is the counseling piece because you none of this other stuff is intuitive. Correct. Um, you don't know how you don't just wake up one day going, I'm gonna be a government contractor and go, Da-da! you know, you know <laughs> <whatever>. <laughs> Similarly with lending, you know, when I joined the SBA, when I thought about lending, I thought about banks. I didn't think about CDFIs, I didn't think about mission-based lenders, I didn't think about non um, non-bank lenders. Who would? You know, Mm -hmm. like that's just not intuitive. And so for me, if you are in the, if you are are a nascent or even a small business that has been around for a while, but still have things to learn, these products that we provide, once again, at low cost or government funded, so much money can be saved and so many, and so much time can be saved and so much heartache can be saved by taking advantage of that. You know, speaking with a SCORE counselor who has worked in publishing and you are want to be a publisher, Someone who's actually worked in publishing, done the work, built a business, worked in the C-suite, having access to that person is mm-hmm. worth how much money? How much is that worth?
0: Yeah, uh, and I, I and yeah. I agree with that statement because, um, you know, Yase, she's a consultant. You know, I have a company as well. And we do some services that you would hear sometimes like they say, oh, you can get that support with PTAC. I think it's also important to understand the various groups who are offering services and how they can be of value. And I think when it comes to policy and process, that's where I think the government-funded resources definitely shine. When it comes to augmentation and implementation from an operations perspective, government can't afford to do that. <laughs> government is not going to do that piece. That may be an area where you would want to focus that. And if you need advisory, at least that high-level advisory or mentorship up front, then organizations like uh, the, you know, I know Women Business Center does it and SCORE is definitely a good one because the resources that are consulting there have prior experience. Whereas in some of the PTACs, it's a little hit or miss if they've had experience as an entrepreneur or not. It, it, sometimes it is. It Sometimes you do have co- uh, consultants that in the PTAC slash Apex Accelerator, because they just had a branding change, right? Um, with VOD. <laughs> yes. yes, yes. <laughs> But yeah, that is very useful resources, and I know we often when we're um doing whether it's a consultation call with a potential client or our current clients, push them to leverage those free resources. We're like you, you're paying us for this. You don't want to spend the time that's allocated for the package you purchase for us to give you information that's free to you. And so, with that said, you know I
1: think that's that's yeah, that's wonderful.
0: With that said. I want to kind of advance us back into the conversation about the 8A program itself. And we know that uh, today, because we're recording uh, during a period where the program is currently uh, suspended from new applications. Um, If you have been under a rock on July 19th, (laughs) the U.S. District Court for Eastern uh, District of Tennessee issued a decision that declared uh, SBA's rebuttal presumption of social disadvantage used in admitting um, small disadvantaged businesses to the program say, stated that it violates equal protection rights of a government contractor, and they issued an injunction prohibiting the SBA from continuing the use of that. And so currently the program is is suspended for new applicants, And but there's been a bit of guidance that has been put out. We've heard some fear from a lot of people that are in the program, as well as people who had plans or are stuck in the process, like they have the application in, but um, it hasn't went through. And there's a lot of disparate thoughts and statements being made uh, with regards to, oh, the program's going to go away. Or I've even heard people say, oh, it's great because now companies that make too much money that are in the 8A program will go away, which is not even about that. (laughs) That's not what this is about. We've also (laughs) even heard things about, you know, for new applicants that you just have to do the narrative. I've been following it closely because I am one of those applicants whose package was submitted. I had done all of my deficiencies and everything. So I was kind of waiting just for a notice. Can you give us a bit more details from the horse's mouth, if you want to call it that, of where the program is and let's separate the roommate from fact, you know, from fact uh, with what's going on with the program.
1: Well, um, Thank you for giving me an opportunity for your, once again, for your listeners to hopefully clear the air. As soon as the decision came out, the agency, as is reasonable and is appropriate, um, suspended applications because that's what the court told us to do. You can't use this uh, this rebuttable presumption and in the program. And so we suspended and then we pivoted as an agency to dealing with those things that were that were emergencies. Um, And the emergencies are those contracts and those offer letters that were closing at the end of the fiscal year. Um, For for your listeners that don't know or or just don't know how uh, the federal government works, we are on a uh, uh, October 1st to September 30th fiscal year. A lot of contracting activity happens at the end of the year because agencies quite often don't get their money until later in the year because of the way the federal government either budgets or allocates funds because maybe of a government shutdown or continuing resolution. So sometimes agencies don't get their money. Not in October 1st, when you would hope to get your money, you might not get your money until February or March or April, like your full package. And so you have less time to allocate that money before that money is no longer available to you. And so a lot of contracting actions happen toward the end of the year. So the agency has focused, um, laser focus actually, on making sure that those companies that are in the program and are eligible for contracts Um, and had contracts sort of in the queue so if DHS or uh, SEC or DOD or GSA or whomever or SBA uh, was uh, doing an offer letter through the program that we made sure that those firms um, met the criteria and so they are the ones that we are focused on right now with the narratives and going through that process of making sure those narratives are in and then we will and then we will sort of open up the spigot with applications and then eventually, I assume, based on everything that I've heard, open up all of the app, you know the application process back. It will be more difficult for those ones that used to be able to check a box um, and have a rebuttable presumption is now you have to write a narrative. and that's where we are in the process. No there's no word if there's going to be an appeal or any of those other types of things that may change the current status, but that's what we are doing right now. We're really focused on making sure that both the agencies, because the agencies need the work, mm-hmm. right? The agencies need um, uh, companies to do this work to to fulfill these, these requirements. And of course the firms want the work. Um, mm-hmm. That's why you're in business is to get this type of work. And so that's where we focused our energy at this time as an agency. Yeah, so I think I that's ask, the-
2: Okay, so I would ask this. We, we try in, in, in our podcast always kind of offer a silver lining or highlight where there's an opportunity to learn or capitalize on a situation. So in this case, with there being a, a pause or a hold or whatever you want to call it, for right now, an undetermined exact amount of time, what are something yeah. businesses can do that maybe were right on the cusp of submitting an application to 8A or businesses that were considering it? What are some ideas in terms of things that or resources that your office would still offer or things timing wise that come to mind that would help businesses capitalize now on this additional time that they have so that they're prepared when the floodgates do open back up to submit
1: well I, I think the first thing and and that I would say is, is that I know the narrative examples are out there and they've been sent out to you know firms that I be- Believe they're out in the public domain. Um, it's sometimes hard to, re- to think about what you've seen on this side of the fence or that side of the fence. But right. so you know, one of the things if if, if you have access to that, if you haven't, I would you know start reading up on that so that because you know you're going to have to do it at some point. So let's start that process. Let's also either go to your private sector consultants or once again those government funded <laughs> resources to talk about. Hey, can you help me understand what how to do this better? Because of course we give directions, but lots of lots of directions are given. Sometimes they're not always clear. Sometimes they're government directions, and and they and you could interpret them differently. And so, I would say take the time to begin to go through that process to understand that process, so that when when the time does come, you're you're prepared, right? You're ready to hit the button. Here, send done find out where you're supposed to send it, you know, begin to do that type of research. Um, You can always go to sba.gov for information about the 8 program, is, you know, certification, how you do it, et cetera. But we also on the very top of that page right now have a a banner talking about the the suspension, what that looks like. And so we're gonna be updating that as time goes on. So, you know, you might wanna keep that on your frequently visited list so that you can go there And look, the other thing, and this is not necessarily governmental, but I think this is something that's important. Writing or having to write about oppression or discrimination or being marginalized may seem like a a no-brainer to some folk that you would have to do that. But that can also be re-traumatizing. If you went through a very painful, and and, and as someone who has gone through in my life on a variety of different ways, um, those types of painful experiences, it may take some time for you to write that. It may take some time for you to sort of wrap your head around, how do I express this, both in a way that is moving me forward, but also in a way that doesn't re-traumatize me as well. And so I know that may not be exactly what you were thinking when you asked the question, but I think that it's important for folks to prepare themselves in that way as well. Um, because what you're really asked to do, in a in a way, is weigh your some of your worst worst moments to to and then share those worst moments with a reader somewhere, and that may take some time as well.
0: Yeah, and, you know? and it ties that into something
1: that you do over the weekend.
0: It I agree with you, and it ties into kind of what I was saying before. There's fear, right? There is some fear that I've heard about and. And and there's different reasons for that fear. You know, um, there's concern about, like you said, it's re-traumatizing. It's things that have happened in the past. In many instances, those situations, they probably experienced them and it did have a negative impact to them, but they kept it to themselves. So putting that in writing okay. to give to the government who, let's be honest, we done have some spills in our day. <laughs> <laughs> and I am and I say our because I've been on both sides, contractor and a government employee. And, you know, so there's, there's concern about what, what that could potentially mean when the intent is to just continue to focus and move forward. But now in order to participate in having access to a tool that can help my business in this space and help me, um, like for myself, being a veteran, I'm very passionate about government contracting for multiple reasons including uh, me having been in the military, understanding how government facilitates and, and enables uh, though our warfighters and members from that perspective. So so even though that wasn't the question, the way you answered it was perfect. I would also say that companies should understand that set aside or not the end all is all, additional things that could be done is what you should be doing anyway. And that's continuing to create those relationships with the agency so that you're prepared to take advantage of the program once we get traction again with the application process and, and getting that going again. Yas, did you have something else that you wanted to hit on that?
2: No, I, I honestly think we've covered it all. And, and I know there are more often than not, we oh, our conversations are overshadowed by process, procedures, things that are helpful to continue to grow your business. And we don't really talk about the emotional aptitude that's required to be able to sustain some of these lows, some of these challenges, some of these kind of curveballs, it's exhausting. So we, you know, really appreciate you adding that element, that human element to the conversation, because we we tend to be very kind of process driven and, and talk about, you know, strategies and, and things of that nature. But there is an kind of an emotional wear and tear that comes with this, this landscape in general, not just being a small business, but growing a small business. And and I am sure on the government side as well, there's someone sitting on the other side of this that has to read all of these narratives. So it's a, it's a two-way street on that. So,
1: I, I, one of my BOSs mentioned to me recently that he, I won't go into a great detail because I don't want to, there was just a lot of emotion from some of the firms that he had to to not had to as part of his job, but that he was speaking with a, about this process, a great deal of emotion. So much so that he called me and we had to talk about it. And, and that's one of the reasons why it came to mind when you asked the question about how do you prepare. Be kind to yourself. That's what I've said to my staff as well. Be kind to yourself. Be patient with the firms as they go through this process. It is it is a curve ball. It's new We're we are all sort of navigating this, this path together. Us as a as the government agency responsible for, but also with our partners, the firms that are in our program that are that we are responsible to, mm-hmm. and so it is important that that we all sort of walk, get the job done, do the mission, but also be kind to each other because I, I I don't take it lightly that that this is the ask.
0: Yeah, and and with and with knowing all the details, the information that we've received so far in our discussion that we've had, we can do better. And with that, I'd love to get into some lessons learned. And if our listeners could take away one major thing, although there is a plethora of things that you can take (laughs) away from this conversation we have had, what would you want that to be?
1: The thing that I say um, when I have an opportunity to speak to small businesses all the time is this is not intuitive work take advantage of the resources out there that can help you um, streamline grow in a way that is most cost-effective, which means that you know using those government-funded resources, that's going to be my new term, by the way, Tasha, <laughs> government-funded resources. Because at each stage of that development, if it's now with trying to navigate the 8A application and what's happening next, having someone who... One is one of our resource partners that has direct access, gets stuff right from the press, can't hurt, right? That can't be a bad thing at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and once again, it can save you time and time is money. You know, a lot of our businesses, as you know, they're working out of their basement. They, you know, they're one, they're one people's shops. They are up at night trying to figure out how they're going to, if they have 1099s or if they have employers are trying to figure out payroll. Um, they're trying to figure out how to get their next client. That takes time. And so if you can streamline, if you can avoid some potholes, right, yes. that's the thing to do. Because nobody goes into business to make money immediately. <laughs> like That's just not the way starting a small business is, is typically works. You know, you have to invest. You're investing time. You're investing money. A lot of times it's your own money you know, it's taking out another mortgage or going on credit cards, it's all those types of things. And so I don't say those things because I'm just pushing our resources. I'm saying those things because I understand what it's like to start something, even a nonprofit, you know, that was coming out of pocket, right? (laughs) You know, so I know what it's like before you get that that line of credit, before you get that small loan, before you get, and so whatever you can do, yeah, (laughs) grants. whatever you can do to shore up your knowledge and shore up your business in ways that don't cost you money, I would advise you do. Um, I think that's the takeaway. And that's why I talk about the counseling pieces all the time, because yes, we do capital and yes, we do government contracting. But if you're stumbling through either one of those paths um, without a lot of knowledge, you're probably going to spend a lot of time failing, quite frankly. If you don't know what your debt ratio is and you're going to a bank or a lender trying to get a loan wh- why and so yes. there's some basic <laughs> learning you know there's some basic learnings that i advise you do like the 101s as you talk about before like stuff that you guys don't want to charge people for right? mm-hmm. Learn the 101s right so that you can then be even more helpful to yourself and to your business and you and and that would be my advice
2: and that's, uh, I think, spot on with a lot of times where a lot of our conversations kind of lead you back to in terms of lessons learned. Do your research. Know your customer. Know your business. And, and some of it is not, you're not going to know everything day one. Um, but there are things that you, you do know. You know what kind of business you want to build. You know what you stand for, what your tolerance is for taking on certain lines of credit, taking on certain debt, taking on employees and you learn how best to do it, but there are things you, you understand as a starting point and, and you grow from there. So I think to to your point, Larry, and as we said often, doing your research and taking advantage of the resources you have to include networking and getting out and talking to people, which the is providing humans that you can literally speak to about these things in a <laughs> counselor facility. Like right. you don't have to go look on chat GPT to find these things, folks. You can actually talk to a human. Um,
1: actually, talking to other yes, you yeah.
2: know, and
1: also talking to other people, you know, so often what I hear, and I imagine you guys hear in in your work as well, is that businesses feel so isolated. Once again, if you are sole practitioners, one or two of you, and you're not talking to other people, you think you're the only one going through that thing, whatever that thing is. Um, you're the only one that's ever had that challenge, whatever that challenge is, and it's probably not true. And that's the other reason why I advocate that sort of, and I didn't think about it in this way, but that sort of human interaction, because it can demystify, but it can also just share that, oh, no, you you know, people go through this. This is is part of the process. You too can do this. You have to know that you have to figure out at some point if you have the appetite to it. And that's actually one of the things that, that you said that there is an emotional intelligence to this. You know, you can be the best, you know, one of the things that happened when I started the nonprofit many years ago, a friend of mine, a uh, colleague in Cleveland started a nonprofit around dance. He was a dancer. He had danced with Vanelli and did some other stuff, but he was an artist who did not understand business. And so many of the conversations that we had over the years were all about, you should get someone to help you with that thing, you got a blind spot here. And a lot of business owners, I think of as artists, you know, they are creators, they want to create this thing, but there are other things that you need to learn that may not be sexy and interesting. And yeah, that's it. (laughs) Those two things are at all interesting to you that you have (laughs) to learn how to do in order to have a successful business.
2: Because Um, they're not going away.
1: They're not yep. going to go away. You're going to have to do taxes. You're going to have to do payroll. You're going to have to have a financial system. If you're doing government contracting, you're going to have to have a financial system that is um, of a level that they are going to give you hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars. It can be the back of your, um, your spreadsheet. Yeah, yeah, cash app cash
0: and a cash spreadsheet. <laughs>
1: No, <laughs> oh, it can be business it's,
0: cash out. <laughs> right,
1: business cash out, right? You know, it can sometimes <laughs> even be quickened, you know, you yeah. know, you take a step up. And so those are the types of things that I think is important. That's the that's the one on one stuff that I think it's important for people to understand and to take the time to um because otherwise you you get in the car before the horse a yeah. lot of times. You know, you're out here and you're doing stuff and you may be successful in a way, but you're never going to be able to scale that business because until you, until you get your house in order.
0: I agree with that. And then also that gets into the pivots and changes when you say yes, with policy changes and things you don't have control over. And if you don't have that foundational piece, you won't be able to absorb the impact to allow you the time to pivot and adjust to a lot of the changes. Like Sequestration, pandemic. <laughs> There's all these things that a get lawsuit. Happened. Lawsuit. <laughs> you yes.
2: know.
0: A lawsuit. Let's just throw that oh, out. Yeah. There.
2: Someone a someone
1: lawsuit. yeah. Someone gets someone gets injured. Mm-hmm. You know, an employee or a customer or what have you. You know, particularly with the business. People do it all the time with their with their, in their private lives, right? Like I don't need insurance on this car. You know, I, I know how to drive, or I don't need insurance on my home, but When you're talking about business, particularly when you have employees and you have have investors or others that are relying on you, like people's lives are in your hands to some degree. You have to do your best to be thinking about mitigation um, and what does that look like and, you know, pivoting. What happens if this happens? What happens if that happens? One of the things that the that the attorneys, you know, I, I'm a reformed attorney, so I will refer to them. I love
2: it. I love it. Reformed attorney. <laughs> uh,
0: is there a thing though? I think no. once an attorney I was going to give it.
2: I was going to give it to you. <laughs> with
1: um, but one of the things they talked about is having that cadre of people around. You know, mm-hmm. your financial person, your tax person, your lawyer. Um, maybe your HR person and what have you because the example they gave was the lawyer is going to write your operating plan or your operating agreement to mm-hmm. plan for you guys not being friends. Mm-hmm. That's the you know what oh, happens yeah. that's the way you have to like what happens yes. if this happens? What happens if someone, God forbid, has a stroke or is incapacitated? Do you have a plan for that, particularly if you are in a partnership? And those are the types of things that that's the pivot, you know, it may not even be a governmental pivot. Like, you know, the person, the, the rainmaker yeah. is no longer available to you. Um, the person that owns, you know, can you, do you automatically get a chance to take on their portion or do you have to go through some process? Do you have to work with the spouse or the kids or the whatevers in order to go through that process? And so those are the types of things. And that's a, you know, that's a, maybe a bit advanced, But that's why you have these conversations and that's why you have folks around you that can help you navigate those questions so that you don't have to navigate them on the the back end because it's always more expensive to have to fix a problem than it is to have to deal with it before it happens.
2: And I mean, I would put as a point of comparison because it's in our forefront because students are going back to school and I'm in DC, not far from Howard University. And I think about the parents that, as soon as they had a child, started an investment fund for the child's tuition. They didn't even know if the kid was going to go to college, but they did know the college is expensive. Not exactly sure how maybe we're going to pay for it, but I have an opportunity to invest now for future success. So, you know, I would offer that in terms of line of thinking, in terms of your business as well. There are things that can help set you up for success. You may not see a value in it right now, and it may not even necessarily come to fruition, but- you set yourself up in those use those mechanisms and resources so that should something happen and you need to pivot, you've got a fall safe. You've got a backup plan to help, in this case, pay for your kids' tuition. Even they may end up going to Yale and they may not cover everything, but at right. least you got a starting point. So in, in the vein of, again, those pivots and changes, what's coming up for your organization? I mean, what events, programs, how are you guys Pivoting yeah. to stay, to say I mean and I don't mean to say this in a derogatory fashion but to stay relevant because you know you're on <laughs> for so to speak you're on hold right now and I' yeah. think you guys a lot of other resources but how do you stay continue that that marketing that social campaign that positive light and and still reiterate to folks about the other resources so what, what are you guys doing?
1: so thank you for that um, for those that are listening to this um, in the next few weeks. Um, we are actually Wamato celebrating uh, SBA's 70th anniversary later wow. this month. We're having a celebration. Um, it, every di- district office and, of course, the, a, the headquarters have done so in the last couple months. And so, our celebration, we are actually going to be having that at the Compass Coffee um, Roastery over in Ivy City um, later oh, this cool. month. Um, They have graciously um, provided us space and some refreshments for our guests, and so that's going on. We're also going to be celebrating um, National Veteran Small Business Week coming up soon, so highlighting our small business owners that are veterans. And then, of course, Small Business Saturday will be coming up in in November, and then National Small Business Week will be happening in the spring. So those are sort of the big weeks that are coming up for us in Wamato. We're going to be doing what we do all the time, which is working with our local partners, both our resource partners, but others. So, you know, we have a co-sponsorship with the Maryland Black Chamber. And so uh, one of my um, team members is doing, I believe, monthly or bi-monthly events with them. I've worked um, recently with the Prince George's Hispanic Chamber, et cetera. So we are out working with our chambers, our partners, um, doing events, doing educational events all the time. And then... Of course, our staff that works with our 8As are very, very busy right now, you know, finishing out our annual reviews for the year, working on offer letters um, in this new sort of slightly complicated fashion of, of getting the narratives in and trying our best to make sure that both the firms and the agencies get what they need and then crossing our fingers that there's not going to be a government shutdown because that just complicates
2: everybody's world. Everything. <laughs> Everything. No. Yes. Bar none. No um, one's yeah. safe.
1: <laughs> no, no one would say. So that is those are the those are the sort of top of the mind things that are that are happening. And the, the one thing exciting. I did, that's a lot. Yeah, the, the one thing I did mention is our um, for the 70th anniversary, our legacy organization is the Montgomery Chamber of Commerce Foundation that does the VIP, the Veterans Contracting Accelerator that they have several times a year. So they are our legacy winner. And I don't know if you guys know Barbara Ash, but she has been responsible for that program for a very long time. And so we're honored to well,
0: congrats. Congrats to that team. To well, well, definitely, her. definitely. You know, I am a graduate of the VIP Start Accelerator. So I kind of I kind of remember that. <laughs> <laughs> we there. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. So definite congratulations to that organization on yeah. um, that award. And um now that we're kind of closing in on to wrap up, I just wanted yeah. to caveat that. SBA also has a newsletter, guys. <laughs> we'll put it the notes for you to, be able to So if you're not local to the DMV, that doesn't mean that you can't get any value. It can't stay up to speed on what's happening. SBA, although uh, I think the headquarters here is, but their SBA is everywhere across the United States. Absolutely. So, I,
1: yeah, I would say that. So um, sort of as we're wrapping up, I'm um, at I, I, I you guys get to edit this down if I talk too much. So- For those who don't know, there are 68 district offices across the country. There's one in every state, and in large states, there are more than one. So New York, Texas, California, Ohio have more than one district office. That district office is responsible for their region, for their territory. And um, so the SBA has a newsletter that is sort of a national newsletter. You can go to the sba.gov website. But if you go to the sba.gov website and you put in, and you go to the top of the page, click on local assistance, Um, You can do it on your mobile device as well. If you hit local assistance, you put your zip code in, you will get connected with your local district office. And all of those government-funded resource partners within 50 miles of that office will pop up. Um, And so that is a way to get involved. So if you're in Montana, if you're in Idaho, if you're in Maine, if you're in Washington, wherever you are, St. Louis, my hometown, um, you can do that get access to that information and get access to their local newsletter. So, you know, you will hear about the national stuff that's happening with the administrator and maybe some policy initiatives, but you can also find out what that district office is doing on the ground in your backyard. And so I would, I would advise trying to do both. And for Wamato, that's SBA 4 slash DC and it'll pop up.
0: Awesome. Awesome. With that. Uh, we have talked about how timing is everything. And with that, also how with the 8A program, uh, the timing that it takes to get into that and taking time and into consideration when you decide to pursue that particular opportunity because it is and has been a substantial tool for enabling multifaceted growth opportunities for many small businesses for over a decade. How you plan is going to facilitate and enable you having the capacity to pivot in order to accommodate the so the the variables that exist and are completely out of your control can happen at any time in this particular market in this ecosystem. And with that, thank you so much for joining us here on Unveil uh GovCon Stories.
1: Thank you so much for having me today.
2: And thank you to all of our listeners as well. Um, we really appreciate you for joining us on Unveiled GovCon Stories, a Hive 39 media production with our guest, Director Larry Webb of SBA, Washington Metropolitan Area District Office, Omato, and your hosts, Tasha and yeah, Please subscribe, share our podcast, send it to a friend, and also feel free to provide any feedback that you have, other ideas questions that maybe you didn't hear or would like to propose. And, you know, we're happy to share that information as well as provide resources, links to some of these advocacy groups and SBA offerings. Um, So we'll be sure to share that information as well. Thank you all for joining. And it's been a fun one. Thanks again, Larry.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day, everyone.